Hello, and welcome to episode 312 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Mark Rennell, comics creator and writer of Either Us, I'm sorry, Either Them or Us, now on Kickstarter. Mark, thanks so much for coming back on the on the podcast. Uh, we're really excited to catch up with you. But when we start off these interviews, we ask for we ask for two things. We ask for a quick bio and an elevator pitch of the the book that you're here to talk about. Uh, sure, yeah. So, um, Mark Bernal, uh, I am the accidental founder of Lesser Known Comics. Uh, so, in 2020, um, I started working with uh, a few different concept artists to uh, start develop a comic book of my own and um, just found so many artists that I just fell in love with that I decided to break up the uh you know, the one comic into three different storylines. And um, so as we started posting that stuff to social media, um, we started getting a lot of interest from other indie creators who were just looking for a home for their project or illustrators who were looking for someone to team up with on a project. And, you know, two years later, I think uh, we got something like uh, 20 creators that are working with us um, in some capacity to make our uh, to make these comics, both um, ones that I write and ones that uh, are completely creator-owned, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, they, you know, it's uh, it's been an absolute blast. Uh, so the last uh, three campaigns that we've worked on have all been creator-owned stuff. Um, you know, somebody else's book, and this one, this time around, it's my turn. So it's it's uh, it's both nerve-wracking because I want to, you know put something forward as good as everybody else but at the same time like it's also uh a relief to you know uh it's so much pressure when it's somebody else's book right you want to you want to do a good job and promote it and and do everything so um it's a little it's a it's a little nice to work on mine it feels like you know uh a, a little a little more uh easy but yeah uh, it's a samurais versus ninjas or sorry samurais versus witches in 1980s mm-hmm. japan um and it takes place in our larger lesser known universe that um we've built out eight other comics to kind of build out that universe but this will be the first full length 22 page dedicated to one story arc um and uh it's the first of many uh full length series that we're going to be putting out in 2023 uh so i'm just i'm just excited to hold it in my hand and get it out to people who are interested in it yeah that's really cool so you touched on a couple of things here. You sort of have a connected universe. Um, the the characters in either them or us, have they been people we've seen in, in previous issues? Things uh, things been hinted at and, and what we're going to see in this book? Uh, how does it all tie into the, the larger, lesser known comics universe? So yeah, I released uh, lesser known comics number one through seven. And those were always intended to be like a sneak peek into the universe. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it also gave us a chance to, within those like shorter comics to try out illustrators and make sure that, you know, um, that we actually work well together. And, you know, um, I can be a little much at times because my scripts can range from like a carefully crafted word document to a string of incoherent text messages. Mm-hmm. So um, Franco, who did uh, lesser known comics, number three, he's the one, um, who is working on uh, or worked on either them or us with me. So in Lesser Known Comics number three, we have 
these characters, all you really know is that they're from Japan and they're trying to hide this magical artifact with one of our, you know, main characters, Danny. Uh, she's essentially a witchcraft arms dealer in South America. So they have something that they need to keep safe and they bring it to her. And um, I use a lot of Marvel method. So the illustrators mm -hmm. are really put in, in the driver's seat when it comes to, um, you know, typically on a two page spread, I give them the first panel and the last panel, but what happens in between that is, is really, um, you know, theirs to explore the, explore the space. And Franco's a blast to work with. Um, and as we worked on lesser known comics, number three, he kept saying, well, I'm really interested in these characters and, and like what they were doing before they showed up at Danny's doorstep with this magical artifact. And I had written the backstory out, but not in like a script form. And um, Franco just kept saying, he's like, yeah, I want to do stuff in Japan. I want to do stuff with these witches. And, you know, I told him that they were, had this, you know, epic generational feud with uh, samurai in Japan. And he's like, well, I want to draw samurais. <laughs> so it wasn't necessarily a story arc I was going to get to right away. Um, but, you know, when you have a, an illustrator like Franco, who's just excited, you know, you just, it's like, okay, well, I guess, I guess we'll do that. And I, I think he hit the illustrations out of the park. Um, and he worked with the same colorist he worked with on lesser known comics. Number three, uh, his name is, uh, Nick Torres and, uh, they're both down there in Argentina. And, um, I, I think they just, to have two artists that are so complimentary in style that already have like they have a long relationship even before I started working with Franco. So it's like getting to work with a seasoned team. That's cool. So uh, that gives me two questions. I guess first would be about keeping thoughts and, you know, ideas in a shared universe together. I mean, I have a hard enough problem um, writing a, a comic that, that may have like an A plot and a B plot. Um, but here you, you're, you know, you're taking elements of, of stories and connecting them to a larger world. How do, how do you keep that all straight? Do you have like a, a digital file or maybe like a crazy person's cork board with like strings tied to cards and stuff like that? How do you keep all that straight? Yeah, I have um, like it's a PowerPoint type of like uh, looks like a PowerPoint presentation. And it basically um, one, it keeps helps me keep straight. Um, who's working on what and um, also like how far they are on each, on each thing. Cause um, I, one of the attractive parts about lesser known comics is um, if you're a full-time freelance artist and you want to uh, do the comic straight away, that's a, that's a way of doing it. And if you're somebody who's uh, uh, an illustrator as a, as a hobbyist, you know um, uh, my buddy uh, Ryan's been working on a book for me for the better part of a year um, because he's got other stuff going on, but I wanted to still include him, you know, cause it's fun to create comics with him. So, you know, this master PowerPoint says where helps me track where everybody is on building the stories that, you know, we're working on together and then also helps me keep the stories straight. Um, but I, I kind of found that, um, you know, using the Marvel method of, um, the first couple comics I made as I got the panels back 
um, you know, maybe facial expressions were slightly different or the situation was slightly different in a panel than I had, you know, scripted. And I mm -hmm. found it was just much easier to change nuance of, you know, the word bubbles and, um, you know, add narrative text and stuff like that um, than to have an illustrator necessarily draw it all over. Now, I mean, it rarely happens, but if, you know, something dramatically needed to change on a panel, I can always ask them to do that. But mm -hmm. um, it's almost like script writing meets Sudoku, you know, like I give them something and they hand me <laughs> back and I go, okay, well, I'm going to have to change a couple things in the word bubbles to, to make that work. And usually it turns into like a fun, you know, like Mad Libs, you know, <laughs> like uh, a project where, okay, how it's a good challenge on me to make these panels work, still tell the same story and like, really help complement what the illustrator did from a visual storytelling angle. Cool. So uh, that's going to give me a third question for you. Um, but you had mentioned earlier that your artists sort of brought the, the colorists together and they had a working relationship. Is, is that um, something you've encountered um, a lot in the past or have you had to put teams together? Um, personally, myself, I've, sort of had a little bit of both where I start working with a line artist and they're like, Hey, you know, my buddy can color this. He's done stuff for me in the past. And they sort of show me some samples and I'm like, Hey, you know, you guys work great together. Why don't, why don't we keep that going on? Um, what is your experience with that um, in the past? So for the most part, um, all the illustrators I work with do their own colors with the exception of Franco. Mm -hmm. Um, because we work with so many new illustrators, it's it's actually fun to see them experiment. You know, like uh, Kieran, who did our Death Wish comic, uh, he usually does watercolors, but he wanted to do digital on his cover. And I remember like a week later, he was like, well, I found out the digital coloring takes me way longer than I thought. You know, like he can he can watercolor something, you know, in, a, in, in 20 minutes versus, you know, like his digital coloring took him a week. And it was just because it was a medium he wasn't used to. But with Franco, um, as an illustrator, you know, I, I, I pay him for the work and however he wants to subcontract that is mm -hmm. like, you know, because I think he just enjoys pencils and he's very confident and confident with his inks and, and he, he works he works quickly. So um, I think that affords, that kind of relationship affords him to, I don't know if he's got a, because he's a really strong inker, you know, I could imagine him being able to make deals with other artists and maybe do even a barter system of like, Hey, if you color my work, I'll ink your work or something like that. And, you know, if I don't have to be part of that, you know, um, uh, you know, I don't want to be an extra cook in the kitchen that doesn't need to be there. Um, yeah. So I've only talked to the colorist a handful of times on social media. I mean, he, he does tremendous work, um, but uh, it's nice to, just have Franco to go to and say, Hey, where, you know, where are we at on everything? And he'll, he'll handle it all. Yeah. I, uh, I've, you, you sent me the, the press release and I'm looking at it and it's, it's amazing stuff, um, both art and color wise. Um, but you had mentioned that um, you, you know, you write these things, Marvel method, Marvel method, excuse me. Um, I, so are you lettering the books yourself? Um, no, I do work with a, I, I do work with a letterer. Um, okay. and actually I've also started, um, working with a letterer 
who is also a writer and he's also a designer. And one of the things I found is, um, you know, cause there's letters out there and, and, you know, that's, if they're just a letter, that's a job, you know, where they're not necessarily in charge of doing edits and they're not in charge of saying like, Hey, you know, like you kind of, I think, I think this word bubble sucks, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I think, I think your dialogue here sucks. Um, yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it's really good. Uh, his name's Amal Desai. He's a new guy uh, out of Chicago. Um, and, um, but he, he's a, he's a really strong letterer. Um, so after I get the pages back, I'll um, essentially finalize uh, the dialogue in a word doc, and then I'll send it back to him. Um, and, um, you know, let him, let him do his job and actually um as a letterer then he'll um not only help like assist with the editing but then also um prepare the book for press so it's it's been extraordinarily valuable you know to find somebody like that that's cool yeah a couple of things there i have worked with letterers where you you, you turn the stuff over to them and whatever you gave them is is what you get back which is which is perfectly fine and I've also worked with letterers that are like, hey, you know, maybe this balloon, you know, where do you think this balloon should be placed? You know, maybe we can drop this, um, you know, maybe we can do a little bit more show, don't tell here. So um, there's certainly two, you know, styles there and, and no fault to anybody who does it the other way. Uh, but that's a lot of, that's like a, a level of, of, you know, editing that you get or, or, you know, story improvement that you're able to get almost at that last stage, which is pretty nice. Yeah, I have. Uh, so I've worked with some writers and, you know, workshop scripts with them. And some of them have, have the technical ability to be a letter. And I've seen like, I'm like, hey, I think, you know, um, because I can imagine as a writer doing lettering yourself um, could could potentially be really convenient. Um, but it's a whole art form in itself. And um, I, I'd say a lot, you know, that nothing will ruin good art faster than bad letters. Um, it's, sure. it's almost heartbreaking sometimes, you know, I've, I've seen um, multiple books where um, I, I love the pages. I, I knew the, I knew the story and then, you know, uh, they took some shortcuts on the lettering and you're just like, Oh, come on. Like that was, you know, you know, it's, 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 don't, don't ruin that art with any yeah. letters, please, you know, and, and, um, you know, so I, and then I also think that, that, that really strong lettering can actually um, carry, you know, can make a C plus art look like a, like a strong, like a strong B, you know, or um, it, it really just depends on how well they merge that style, because there's always a disconnect between especially if it's digital lettering, you know, that um, you can tell when the letters feel very digital, but the art feels very organic. And I don't even think the reader necessarily knows why it doesn't look right. You know, mm -hmm. they don't look at it and say, oh, this, you know, the letters are off. You know, they just look at it's It's like getting, you know, uh, a bad batch of brownies out of the oven. You're like, we missed an ingredient. I'm not sure which one, but these don't taste right. You know, you just look yeah. at the page, you're like, something's off. Yeah. The couple of things we talk about when we have uh, an interview or we, we're talking about comics is, uh, you know, 
being a letterer is kind of like being a, a referee or an official in a sports game. Like you don't notice them unless they, they mess up. Like, and uh, <laughs> you know, or like if a letterer is doing his job, you just sort of flow along and, you, and you're reading along. Um, but like, you know, I, it doesn't happen often, but you know, sometimes it happens with a big two book where I'm reading it and I, you know, I read the panel and then I go, oh, I was supposed to read the balloons in that order. And it wasn't that clear to me as somebody who has got, you know, 20, 30 years of comics reading under my uh, under my belt. Like there's still a times where I read things out uh, out of order and I go, oh, wait, I was. supposed," And then I mentally in my head shift back in the story and go, all right, let's read this the right way. So like if it's sort of an un unsung um part of making comics and if, if if it's done right you don't notice it and if it's done wrong you you do notice it or if it's done i guess maybe i should say if it's done not as clear as possible you you notice it so it's 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 uh a lot could go wrong so they're sort of the unsung heroes of comics yeah especially on emphasis and sarcasm and things like that there's a line in one of the books our letterer just did and um a, a separate book where this kid says, oh, it's so gross. And, and he puts this extra, you know, almost dripping texture on the word gross. So when you read it, you can, you can get the exact intonation of how the kid would say it, you know, oh, it's so gross, you know? And, and yeah. And I, I, I would never have thought to do that. And then I got those pages back and I was like, oh, thank you. Thank you for making that line a thousand times better than it was when I wrote it. You know. Super cool. So, um, you know, you have a number of previous campaigns, previous um, stories telling various aspects of the, the lesser known comics universe. And you mentioned earlier that this is sort of the first uh, foray into a single story, um, 20, 22 uh, pages. Uh, what's the overall plan for, for this storyline? Uh, do you have that right now? You know, how a number of issues, possible continuation. Um, what's, what's the thoughts there? Uh, so, yeah. When it, when, so, so a lot of the, um, a lot of the Marvel method and how we run things with like lesser known comics has been born out of the fact that I didn't know how busy I'd be on the business side. You know, mm -hmm. I, we've been fortunate enough that we were blessed with such amazing creators and then all these creator-owned uh, books came to us and keeps me really busy on the business side. Um, so with either of them or us, um, we do have um, at least four issues. We may decide that a fifth or sixth issue might um, be required for to, to close out the story arc properly. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Franco is already illustrated uh, a ton of other pages that follow on to uh, issue one um, but it jumps around in timeline so me and him get to have the fun conversation of like okay do we want to jump around do we want to stick on the same like a plot or do we switch to the b plot and be like how do we want to do that and make it not convoluted for the reader um, so however many of those pages we actually use in issue number two or how many of them will end up going into issue number three uh, we still have to work out. And then um, uh, the host of uh, one of the hosts of Apollo City Comics podcast um, 
is actually helping with the writing for uh, issue three and four. So it's been nice to kind of get a writer's room feel where like, you know, I get to sit down with somebody. So as I'm working on the current issues, you know, um, they're taking the loose scripts of, you know, the future issues and kind of refining them, you know, and um, making suggestions and things like that. So that by the time we get to issue three, like it's been given the care and attention that, you know, uh, the, the story arc deserves. Um, and, and I, and, and I'm not, um, I'm very, as long as the books get done, like, I really don't care who's like on the byline, you know? Mm-hmm. So I could imagine, um, a situation where, uh, either them or us or another story arc, you know, it takes a, um, takes on a new head writer and, and I end up, you know, serving as just like a, like in an editing role or something like that. Um, but it's, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're starting to cook, starting to cook with gasoline on, on, on making this full story arc. Um, I think the biggest thing we'll have to look out for is, uh, we got a lot of books that need to be released in 2023. So how do we, uh, schedule that, you know, and do it in a way where we make room for every book, but also not leave readers waiting forever, you know, for the next issue, you know, in any particular story arc. Yeah. All right. So let's talk a little bit about crowdfunding here. Um, you know, let's just say that I'm somebody who is just finding out about uh, the lesser known comics universe with this, with this, you know, individual solo issue with the Kickstarter. Do I have the ability to go back and learn more about the universe with, um, with a back catalog? Yeah. So we've got a couple of tiers where, um, uh, one where you can add in just lesser known comics number three, um, you can get Lesser Known Comics 3, the digital one, for free, but the physical one, um, you know, because uh, like me, like I I, I really steer away, steer away from reading digital books. I just like holding a physical book. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so someone can get either them or us, number one, and LKC, number three. So you're like, okay, I got, you know, two, two stories in, in, this, in the exact same thread. Um, or there's a tier where um, they can get the entirety of the lesser known um, universe stuff, everything that's happening within that universe. So they may not, those extra books won't necessarily um, relate directly to mm-hmm. um, the either them or us issue one, but um, the characters will jump around and you'll, you'll see them pop up in those, in those other, you know, in those other story arcs. Uh, and then we, because we ran so many campaigns, um, we also made it a possibility for people to go in through the add-ons and select individual books. Because um, if they already have, like, say, Lesser Known Comics number one through five, but they don't have six and seven, or they don't have Death Wish, they can add that in, you know, uh, for any campaign that they've missed, along with any of the creator-owned campaigns that they may have missed. Um, they can just get those added in. Um, you know, one or two uh, that they might be missing. That's really cool. So if I wanted to read um, Lesser Known Comics 3 to sort of have that uh, that teaser, um, the, the backstory of uh, either them or us, um, where would I go to, to check that out? 
so you can download the PDF at um, lesserknowncomics.com. You just go to the shop and it's available for purchase. A digital version is available for purchase for zero dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also have it on Global Comics and I, I really like their e-readers. So as much as I'm supposed to be pointing people to our website, like Global Comics is a fantastic platform. And then okay. you can also go check out other people's books that are on Global Comics. Um, uh, they're, they're a great platform, great company. Um, and they're really doing a lot for indie comics. So uh, it's pretty easy to, to try and refer people to that platform. Very cool. Yeah, well, we'll definitely, um, we're going to definitely link your, your website. You know, most importantly, we're going to link the, the current Kickstarter in the, in the show notes. But that's a really awesome thing that you have, that you have this like sort of free teaser um for for folks to hopefully build excitement and and, and intrigue and they want to they want to know what happens next so that's a really cool sort of marketing opportunity that you have there yeah i i've been i've been excited it was it was frustrating at the beginning to just have all these short stories because i I felt like i was leaving people with all these cliffhangers and stuff like so I'm, i'm really excited to have a you know, a full issue. And then it's also convenient now to, to say, Oh, you can go get, there's a, there's a sampler platter out for you because lesser known comics one through seven, the digital versions and, the, and um, some other books in the catalog are available there um, on global comics. So, and we try and make as much of the digital stuff, at least those shorter ones um, uh, for as many of those as possible for free download. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's only the full length issues. Um, that we uh, start to charge for, for a digital download. Um, and most of that, yes, through the, through the Kickstarters. Very cool. Um, so related um, to, to lesser known comics, uh, do you, I know you're in the, you know, the midst of a campaign right now that, that, that you're focusing on. Um, do you have plans to, you know, do something? I know you mentioned that there's a, a number of releases in, in 2023. Um, do you want to hint a little bit about uh, the next thing that we might see? Yeah, so I, I was actually planning on slowing down during the summer. After Tank McGregor and Digital Lizards of Doom, I was like, I was like, man, this is a lot of work. I'm going to slow down. But then um, we had four creator-owned books come to us like all like in a month span that were released in July, August, September, and then another one will come out in November. Um, and uh, so it turned into a busy fall. And then it was like just the other day that I realized I was like, Oh my God, all these books have sequels. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I was like, this is going to be a busy 2023. Um, but, you know, luckily those creators are, um, they're super experienced uh, for the most part and they're super proactive. Uh, so they've, they've been bringing a lot of expertise to how they run Kickstarters individually. Mm-hmm. And um, so one of the other things we're going to do for 2023 is um, we have uh, an internal meeting that we do with all our creator owned um, folks. So we all meet up and then we discuss, you know, um, what we're working on, we talk, we, we, we call dibs on the months of 2023 of when we want to try and release our books so that we can coordinate, okay, the better 
if you're going to release something in February, maybe I release it in March or, oh, both of us want to release it in April. Is there a way to like, you know, cross promote this? So it's, you know, like almost like a double launch, you know, try and mm-hmm. pair up complimentary books. And we, um, we've, we've decided that we're going to also to whatever, to, to the maximum extent possible, we want to open up that forum to even non LKC creators so that they can come in um they can kind of see some of the best practices that we've started to develop for Kickstarter. And then also, um, you know, to whatever extent they're comfortable, they can also, you know, share their, uh, their insights. Um, and uh, we want to make those forums like, you know, uh, as, uh, as public as possible. So I think we're actually going to start broadcasting those on, on YouTube or something like that, um, or, you know, sections of that, that conversation. Um so hopefully it becomes a, a resource for other indie creators to come in and see a bunch of other indie creators planning their Kickstarters, planning their plans for the years. Cause not only do you take the Kickstarter into account, but also, you know, you ideally you launch a book for a Kickstarter, you fulfill it, you got some a little extra money left over to get some books that you can bring to a convention. So mm-hmm. if they, I think if they see kind of how the sausage is made with that, they, Oh, that's, you know, that might be a good idea. And then hopefully we also get some good ideas from other folks where they'd be like, Hey, why are you doing that way? That's, that's stupid. You should do this. I'm like, Oh, thank you. You know, cause uh, there's definitely, uh, we're, we're by no means the experts, um, but we've definitely encountered enough pitfalls that we can help people steer clear of them. Sure. Um, and I think this is the case, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think one of the good things about you guys and how quickly you guys are able to fulfill Kickstarters is that the, the books are done, right? Is, is, that the, is that correct or close to done when you guys go to, go to Kickstarter? Yeah, so, um, so right now with um, either them or us, um, all the illustrations done, um, I thought we were done with lettering, but we have some editing to do, and that was mostly my bad. But yeah, we'll we'll be able to fulfill um, uh, pretty quick. The only thing I, I did push the um, expected fulfillment date back, just because um, we'd be shipping um, most likely in late November, early December, and mm-hmm. there's all those horror stories of with the Christmas rush of how backlogged okay. uh, the U.S. Postal Service can get. Um, so uh just you know just to play on the safe side um we put a expected fulfillment date of january 2023 uh but i think you know if if we close out on november 6th um people should get their stuff before the new year but um you know who knows i still have christmas cards that you know come back in the mail (laughs) you know you know so i know it can get get a little dicey yeah i think it's it's always good as a um kickstarter runner and i may have been guilty of this in the uh early on that i would sort of bump up that delivery date to make it more attractive to backers and then i realized hey you know what it's better to sort of um what is the saying um uh over that's not over promise it's sort of uh under promise or over deliver you know if, if you if you set it realistically um and then the people get it like um you know, maybe a month earlier on that month, you know, it's like, hey, you know what, 
that's better than telling somebody they're going to get a book at this date and knowing in your heart uh, when you set that out that it was pretty unrealistic and you're, you know, you're two, three months off. So I think it's better, um, you know, if there's a little bit of doubt um, or there's circumstances that are beyond your control to sort of realistically set that delivery date, which is something I think we all sort of learn the more campaigns that we do. Yeah, and and we found, um, uh, you know, so as a creator, especially as a writer, um, illustration is such a big chunk of the time, you know, that Mm -hmm. it takes to create a book. Um, And I think, you know, early on in doing this, I felt like, okay, once the illustration's done, we're on the one yard line and all we have to do is get the letters. Letters take relatively quick and design and printing. But I think I'm starting to realize that eh, it's more like we're at the 25 yard line, you know, and, uh, you know, because, yeah, letters don't take that long until they do. (laughs) And then Mm -hmm. design doesn't take that long until you get your proof back and you realize, you know, maybe... Um, you screwed something up with the bleed or the margins or something like that. And there's just one small piece of tedium that's, uh, that's taking way longer than you anticipated. And it's, it's really, it's really hard to explain to a backer, you know, you're like, yeah, I thought I was done, but it sounds out we don't, it turns out we don't know enough about Adobe that we thought we did, you know, like, (laughs) and, um, uh, you know, or, you know, uh, what is it? File management and stuff like that. You know, sure. you learn that that's the, you know, one of the best piece of advice I got, you know, and why we kind of started with so many short comics was someone said, you know, you, you just got to go through the process of making a comic over and over and over again, because you're going to learn so much about um, the first time we printed lesser known comics. Number one, we had this typo, then we fixed it or at least I thought we had, but we hadn't properly named our files. And then of course we get the, the new copies and the, the typos still there. We're like, we couldn't figure out like why that typo kept coming back. And it was just a matter of, you know, just being rookies at this. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, those are, those are things that are not in um, the Scott McLeod books or, you know, in any sort of, you know, um, uh, is that Murphy's law? Murphy, Murphy's going to show up. <laughs> whenever you think you got your ducks in a row like murphy's going to show up and be like ah, you don't you know <laughs> and and teach you a hard lesson so um yeah un- under under promise over deliver um i think yeah is a, is a good mantra we tend to also if things take too long um the convenience of having such like a big catalog is mm-hmm. um i might um uh, I might work with one of our creators to say, Hey, can I add, you know, uh, a book from you as a thank you for everybody, you know, for being patient. Um, sure. And I, you know, I work, I work the payment out with them and it's pretty nice for them. They get free promotion and then somebody gets, you know, yeah, my Kickstarter arrived late, but it, it showed up with extra stuff. You yeah. Know? So, uh, you know, they, we, you just got to try and do right by your backers. Very cool. So let's do this. I think we've we've talked uh, on a number of subjects, you know, the story, the making comics, the sort of the ins and outs of crowdfunding. Um, But there's one standard question I normally ask people 
who are on the podcast um, when they're in the midst of, of, of running a, a podcast, and that is what type of crowdfunding uh, runner are you? Are you a refresh the page every 30 seconds? Are you able to sort of mellow out and uh, go do something, check in every once in a while and say, hey, that's where we are right now. What, uh, what type of Kickstarter crowdfunding runner are you? Um, I want to get to the part where I kind of, you know, let it, let it play out. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I would be lying if I said I haven't visited the the page like 90 times today. Um, <laughs> what, and there's a couple of reasons for that is, um, we're, uh, you know, we talked about the metrics that we, um, you know, as a team, we talked about the metrics we want to track, you know, uh, your funding totals will go up and down depending on a lot of things. Um, it could be that um, the price point of the book it could be just, there's a lot of campaigns that are going on. So mm-hmm. whereas somebody would have got all the bells and whistles in your campaign, there's like, well, I got, you know, um, uh, homebrewed comics has a, has a campaign. Tardigrade press has a campaign. Bigfoot knows karate has a campaign. So, you know, a backer's got to split their, their dollar between, you know, four awesome campaigns, you know, so mm-hmm. um, I, that happens, you know, so whether it's the $5 digital or they get the, you know, $75 custom, you know, uh, sketch cover and all the bells and whistles and stuff like that. Like um, I think backer count is what we are most, cons- you know, most um, tracking. We want new people to read these books and we want people who have, read the old books to, you know, uh, like them so much that they come back and, and get new books. Uh, so as long as those, that data goes in the right direction, you know, we're, we're happy. And I'm trying also to get better at predictability. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to whatever extent I can tell a creator, if you do a, B and C X, Y, and Z will happen and you can count on, you know, this to happen, you know, in, in your campaign. Um, cause I, uh, uh, you know, expectation management is, is the biggest part about maintaining the relationship with the individual creators, you know, cause, mm-hmm. um, some, some people think that, you know, they're just going to turn in a book and press launch and, you know, the internet's going to do the rest of the work. And, you know, that's, that's not the case. Um, sure. You know, and, um, and, 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 you know, they also have to be honest with their time commitment. You know, a lot of people have kids and other jobs and other responsibilities and things like that. So if they're able to know, hey, this is what I'm going to be able to give to my campaign and this is what I'm going to be able to expect in return and be happy with that, then, you know, no one ends up disappointed at the end. Very cool. Um, yeah, those are great sort of words of wisdom. Um, but I will agree with you that I am a a bit of a refresh the the Kickstarter uh, multiple times um, and, and see where we are. Hopefully someday I can be one of those guys or girls that uh, launches and funds in, in 24 hours. I need the banner that's like funded in the last uh, couple of minutes. Um, but, uh, you know, that's all something that we can all sort of strive for there. Yeah, we do. Yeah. And, and we do try and set it up so that it does fun relatively quickly because mm-hmm. i think that there's something um 
that mid campaign lull can be brutal because typically yeah. campaigns have that spike in the beginning and that little spike at the end. Um, so if you're not at your funding goal and you got to sit and look at that timer or that, that tally that barely moves for 20 days, mm-hmm. that, 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 that'll sap a lot of your mental energy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. So um, let's do this as we close up. Let's um, let's talk about this book that's on Kickstarter, either them or us. Um, you know, you gave us a little bit of the, the, the story. Um, just talk a little bit about that some more and let people know where the best place is to go uh, online to keep up to date with, with this campaign, campaigns that are coming out in the future, comics that you guys are doing, places you guys are going to be. Just let us know all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so this, this has been a, this has been a fun project. Um, so as them or us, it, it follows this feud between uh, samurai and witches that dates from, you know, the middle of the 1800s to, um, you know, uh, predominantly the 1980s, but it'll even carry on to, to modern day eventually. And um, I've done some travel in East Asia. I've always been intrigued by the confluence of culture between Japan and Korea and China and the Philippines, and then even over to, you know, California, where I originally grew up. Um, I find things like you go to places like Oregon, and they still have bars where you can see the old trap doors where you literally could get Shanghai, you know, uh, where they would, you know, uh, uh, you know, take unsuspecting people and put them on a merchant vessel, you know, in the, in the middle of the South China Sea, you know. Um, and then I spent a lot of time in South America and I was super intrigued by um, the influence of Japanese culture in, um, uh, in places like Peru and stuff like that, where, um, you know, Peru actually even had a Japanese president, you know, at one point. And, you know, um, you see the um, intermingling of cultures and things like you know, the ceviche you get, you know, the, the reason their seafood and cuisine is so good is, you know, they, they have such a blend of, of, of influence, you know, from, from all over the Pacific. Uh, so, you know, covering that story, you know, it's, it's, it's um, alternative history. You know, we have fake cities. Kaijo city is, you know, basically if Tokyo was run by witches um, and, uh, but it does parallel a lot of, um, you know, sam- samurai history uh, and, you know, Japan through uh, world war two and uh, reconstruction, you know, we'll, we'll cover that in the, in the story arc. And then also those relationships between those, um, uh, those countries and my wife's family's from the Philippines and, you know, um, the Philippines relationship with China and Japan is just so rich and mm-hmm. so, um, compelling, you know, to hear. Um, so I get to learn about things that I'm interested in and then get to, you know, uh, write about them in a creative way. Uh, and yeah. And then, and we also get, Samurais, witches, helicopters, <laughs> grappling hooks, katanas, you know, all the things that you want in the comic book, you know, so, um, so it, it, that, that part is, is, you know, is, it's, it's, it's fun while you learn. <laughs> awesome. And so online, are you guys lesser known comics on most uh, social media? 
Yeah, so um, lessernowncomics.com, uh, uh, like if if you want to go to the Kickstarter, if you go to lessernowncomics.com, there's a quick shortcut right on the main page that leads you to the Kickstarter. Um, I think Instagram is our best platform just because it's pictures, you know, mm-hmm. and you can see all the rad artwork and we're at Lesser Known Comics. Uh, and then on Twitter, it's Lesser K Comics, because character count. Um, and, um, but yeah, we're, We've been mostly posting to Instagram and Twitter. Um, Facebook is an enigma to me, and I'm too old for TikTok. Uh, one day we'll, we'll we'll get some new creators on that can can help us figure out you know TikTok and maybe Tumblr. Uh, so I, I always direct people to Instagram and Twitter primarily. Very cool. Well, we're going to link the website. Most importantly, the the Kickstarter. Um, we'll we'll link your social media in, in the show notes. Um, but Mark, it was awesome catching up with you. Um, actually, we're recording this a week before Baltimore Comic Con. Do you have your your table number? Oh, what a fail! I should I should know it. It's like oh. probably sitting sitting in my inbox. Um, oh, that's okay. Um, I'm sure anybody yeah. can go to Baltimore Comic Con and just sort down the the artist alley and and, and find it. Yeah, and and there's going to be so many people there. I think um, I think we were actually discussing making like some sort of like, uh, you know, treasure map or bingo card or something like that, because um, there's so many friends in artist alley, uh, D Hausner, Dan Price, uh, homebrewed comics will be there. My buddy, Ben Cherry is going to be there. Our letterist, Micah Myers is going to be there. Um, I know I'm missing a ton of people. (laughs) Yeah. I, Oh, uh, Phil Falco, who does the haunting comic. What a wonderful mm-hmm. human. Um, so I'm, I think this is the first year post COVID that like the, the conventions are really in full effect. And, you know, these people that I've got to build a relationship with, you know, over two years on social media that I would consider, you know, uh, you know, at least good virtual friends. I'm it's, you know, it's like going to like feeling like a kid and going to a birthday party or something like that. It's, 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 it's such a, I'm so excited for Baltimore. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I'm pretty excited. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely touch base um, there. Um, I just want to encourage everybody to check this book out on Kickstarter. Again, if you're listening to this, you know, pull up that pod player, um, scroll down in the, in the show notes, there'll be a link to, to everything. Um, check out the Kickstarter. Um, we're recording this on, um, let's see, it's, what is it, October 21st. What's the, the last day of the, the Kickstarter campaign? Uh, the Kickstarter closes on November 6th. So it's, it's November- actually a relatively short campaign. It's about 20 days. Cool. So um, I guess we're, we're kind of at the midpoint here, but um, let's, let's act quick um, to, to, you know, get this thing towards the, uh, the, the funding goal. Yeah, cool. thank you so much for having me. It's it's really really great to speak with you again, and and yeah, just always appreciate you know folks like you and and spreading the love you know and, and helping out the indie comic community. Oh no worries, I I I, I enjoy doing it, and uh, I get just as much um, out of doing the interviews as I I do you know doing the interviews, and hopefully um, you know spreading the word. So um, it's 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 a benefit to to both of us. I I really enjoy it. So um, if you want to uh, follow the podcast, we are on social media. Our Twitter is at ConstructComPod. 
Instagram is Constructed Comics Pod and Facebook is Constructed Comics. There's also going to be a second Kickstarter link in the show notes, and that's going to be to the Concrete Arcanum Anthology. Um, I have a story in that book, and that's got about a week left to go on Kickstarter. So there's a second uh, Kickstarter link in the in the show notes. But once again, I just want to thank everybody for listening. Please be safe, be nice to each other, and go out there and make some comics. Thank you.